Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, Ash Barty is the Wimbledon champion. And doesn't that sound so completely right? It feels like, well, of course she's the Wimbledon champion. Ash Barty was always going to be a Wimbledon champion. And if it wasn't today, it would be another day. But of course, sport doesn't work work like that. We've relived enough crucial moments in the history of this sport to know it doesn't work like that. And... Of course, it wasn't inevitable today. We'll come on to talk about the match and how uninevitable Karolina Pliskova managed to make it. And yet, it just feels so inevitable and so perfect that Ash Barty, David and Matt, is the Wimbledon champion. Yeah, so seeing her with the trophy is the, is just perfect. It's, it is right, as you say. And... Uh, and I think particularly given how much she's made it clear, it was her goal, it was her dream, and it's clearly everything that she hoped it would be, even though I think it's still sinking in for her right now. But if you designed a game to fit on the centre court at Wimbledon, it would look something like Ash Barty's. Yeah, totally. It all fits. I think we've experienced today one of those moments that we relived in Roland Garros relived and Wimbledon relived last summer where we came away saying well we don't really believe in destiny (laughs) but a story like that would would make us believe in it this player who's as you said David whose childhood dream it was to win Wimbledon to do so with a game tailor-made for the grass to do so on the 50th anniversary of the victory of their mentor winning Wimbledon for the first time in Yvonne Goulagong. It it was just all so perfect. Mm. And it's a funny one, isn't it? Not, not Not that any of us can anyway relate, but when it is something that you've dreamed about and wanted forever, it's almost impossible for it not to disappoint in some way it's almost impossible for it to exceed expectations certainly and yet it really seemed for Ash Barty like it at least met expectations if not exceeded them and 
of course, there's the fact that it happened on the 50th anniversary of Yvonne Goulagong's first victory, which, again, feels written and destined and perfect. And, of course, it's none of those things. It just is. But it feels so wonderful. Yeah, I mean, you could see you could see the motion immediately uh, just engulfing her. And I think it something is added to it by the fact that she was made to work so hard for it in the end. There's nothing she would have wanted more than to put in the virtuoso display that she started off putting in and maybe just accelerating to the finish line. But I think in terms of a memory, um, this will... It's, a, it's, a, it's a, an additional triumph to win the way she did because she was put under such pressure in the end. Mm. And I do find that fascinating always, how someone can go from winning a match point to tears so quickly it just it just shows how close to the surface those emotions are and what and what a lid they're keeping on it even though it may not feel like it i suppose there were some signs in this match that barty was tense and nervous you know she she could have closed it out in two sets she served for it and 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 played a bad game but just the strength of that emotion immediately after winning i just i just find that so interesting and you can apply that to Pliskova too obviously it ended up being negative emotion after the match but it was all there and it and it and it always is all there she's just not a demonstrative person I think it was that made it you know hey Ash Barty isn't a demonstrative person or player either so this applies to both of them it was particularly powerful seeing that emotion sort of leak out of them today and it was sort of an unstoppable torrent Mm. of emotion for both of them and you know it absolutely was not inevitable there was a I mean the things that we or I say we that I was sort of asking Matt to google or or look up or come up with stats for off the top of his head over the course of this match there was well Catherine you said (laughs) when do we mention golden set and when do we mention Natasha's Vareva because mm. because Barty won the first fourteen points of the match, and then mm-hmm. and then not even that long later, Matt said, "Has anyone ever served for the Wimbledon title and not ended up ever winning a Wimbledon title?" Now none of these stats ended up being <laughs> produced uh, fully or ended up being relevant, but that's the roller coaster that we all went on over the course of that match and. That is down to Carolina Pliskova that we went on that roller coaster because it looked like being anything but. It looked like being a sort of... Rome. Yeah. Mm. I was trying to think of a sort of fairground ride that you put a toddler in where you just sort of pootle along very slowly and it's all very disappointing. (laughs) Yeah, but also really quickly. Well, yeah. It could have gone so quickly. Ash Barty won the first 14 points of the final today and we all were thinking about the Rome final and Karolina Pliskova must have been thinking about the Rome final. She said final. she was. Yeah, I, I love the fact that's one of the things that I think she's achieved so much in this last few days and again today in her post-match in, uh, press conference. She didn't, she didn't even get asked that. She volunteered it. She said, uh, when it was happening, I was thinking about the Rome final and losing six love, six love to Igor Sviantek um, and and I thought, please don't happen again. And 
Honestly, it looked like it was happening again. Four love down she was. She did get a point in that fourth game, but she was four love down. And it's a similar sort of style of opponent, somebody who's not just going to batter the ball back and forth with her. She's going to make her move. She's going to put her in horrible positions. And for a hitter like Pliskova essentially is, it's a nightmare when she's playing somebody that good who's on. And that's what was happening. And Pliskova couldn't get her feet moving. She couldn't get a rhythm. She couldn't feel relaxed. There was never a moment where she's given the sort of ball she wants to be hitting. And uh, an enormous achievement from her to turn that around and and not be too far away from winning the title. Yeah, she kept saying in a press conference how proud she was of of her efforts. I think all all tournament, really. She, she'd said that second week was very much the goal here. She'd never been beyond round four at Wimbledon, but especially today because... I don't think at any point she really had what you would call her A game. I mean, the, there were moments she came up with some great shots, but it wasn't but like it, it was the never Sabalenka. flowing like it was against Sabalenka. No, she was forcing it out of herself at at points. Absolutely, and that isn't what I think lots of us associate with Karolina Pliskova and an ability to turn a match around or change the narrative mid-match and she did that today and that was that was to immense credit because I don't think Barty completely fell away I think her level probably did drop a little bit I didn't think she played quite as well today as she did in the semi-final but she was but Kalishkova had to give her the opportunity for that to happen totally she 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 had to improve from really the first probably 45 minutes of the match she was a set and 3-1 down and she hadn't she hadn't found a game and then and then she made big improvements and my recollection of that Rome final is that there wasn't much defiance it, they got to a point in that match where she just said I just want the ground to swallow me up this is over she didn't stop trying but she certainly didn't sit down and say no didn't this cha- is not happening like this and yeah I mean Okay, that's not a Wimbledon final. You would you would expect more in a Wimbledon final, but that was a massive result for Pliskova reaching the final of that tournament after the the time she'd be have, been having. That was a massive final at the time, and she didn't muster any kind of resilience or defiance that day. And it was, yeah, th- those are the sort of. I mean, obviously that was an extreme example, but that is kind of what you associate with Karolina Pliskova isn't it she's not someone that wrestles things and turns things around and yeah she completely changed the narrative of that match today and I know she she was a breakdown for most of the third set but didn't feel like she was that far away from from winning it I mean there was a when Barty went to serve out the match in the third set obviously she tried to do so in in the second set and been unsuccessful there was I think a forehand uh, drive volley that she she missed into the net and I think everybody thought oh no oh no especially you know given that she'd already failed to close it out once and yeah it, it felt like it was only a point or two away from being really quite different yeah, I think uh, Barty had to creep over the line, really. And uh, 
what what I found interesting, I thought, think, is it was a clear tactic on behalf of Barty. She didn't seem to play hardly any double-handed backhands to me. She mm. was just wedded to the slice because of who she was playing. And for the first half an hour, Pliskova had no clue how to get any timing on that on that shot off that stroke. Yeah, and it's the slice which works particularly well with Pliskova because the reason Pliskova has always said she doesn't particularly love the grass, even though people might think she should, is getting down low. She 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 really struggles with that. She doesn't do a Angelique Kerber and bend her knees and get down to the ball. She she tries to play it from quite an upright position, and I think she struggles to get the contact and the timing on it. And yeah, Barty used that shot brilliantly, and and also her forehand. I mean, I was watching the build up on the BBC prior to the match and they had Billie Jean King on and she was saying I love the Barty cross-court forehand she said I just love it I just love it you know just with that enthusiasm that Billie Jean King has when when she sees something in a player that she really likes and I was looking out for it then in this match and Barty hooks it cross-court and just gets Pliskova and all her other opponents on the run with that shot it is such a weapon creates an possible angle on it yet with so much margin just feels like it can't miss Mm. it's yeah it's incredible you're left with few options really because especially somebody who hits it as flat as Pliskova does she can end up having to try to go for the postage stamp down the Mm -hmm. line you know her approach to the slice backhands reminded me of of a particularly savage description from Craig Revel Hallward in Strictly Come Dancing of Judy Murray's <laughs> dancing attempts where he likened her to an ironing board. <laughs> Blimey. <laughs> um, we think yeah, you were just, way better just, than that. Just <laughs> stiff rigid. and upright. Stiff, upright and rigid. You know, she, do, she doesn't... She doesn't... Pliskova really even try to get down low, does she? She just sort of tries to use her hand and her wrist to to work the ball in, uh, and get it up from low. She doesn't sort of even attempt to engage her knees in it, the action. I can't get out of my head what Craig Revel Horwood might say about my dancing. He describes somebody else as looking like a poo because <laughs> oh they were dressed in brown. So, uh, you know, I think it could have been worse. Right, OK. <laughs> can't remember who that was. OK. Maybe Fiona Phillips. Anyway. OK. Um, this is a this is a judge on um, Strictly, Strictly Come, Come Dancing, Dancing yes. which what's it called in America or other countries? Dancing with the Stars. Dancing with the Stars. Yes. There we go. Uh, the um, but what 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 Pliskova started to do was just time her her double hander or her own forehand off the the Barty slice, and I, she was very careful how she did it, and she wasn't trying to hit it too hard. But she was just trying to sort of neutralise it by keeping the rally going until she got maybe a ball she liked a bit more. And I think she, as much as Barty did a, a sensational job of masking it for a long time, I think Pliskova sniffed out the nerves and the tension from Ash Barty and knew knew when the opening was, knew when to just don't make a mistake here, ask mm. her the question. Yeah. And uh, yeah, took a, took her to a tie break in in the second set, and Matt and I looked at one another and said, "Who you got winning this?" We both said Barty, 
And Karolina Pliskova showed us something that not sure anybody was expecting. And look, I, it sounds a horribly harsh thing to say. I still think she probably won't win a slam. But I, but I think if she does retire without winning a slam today and what she managed today might make her sleep more easy well, with, she, with that. She certainly can't have regrets from today, I don't think. Um, we did get one of those Barty moments of her saying, you'll win one of these to oh, her in, the, in the post-match speech, which is exactly what you have to say. Um, and and But I loved the way Pliskova spoke about herself because she said, I mean, she'd done this brilliant interview pre match where a couple of quotes bounced out at me one was where she said Barty makes you feel ugly on the court and and then she she said she refused to be compared to Petra Kvitova and Jana Novotna former Czech winners because she didn't want to put any more pressure on herself she said she'd played that game before and and she was determined that she was just going to do her best and see where that took her and in her post-match press conference the view was very much I think I can do this, but the key to me doing it is to be surrounded by these people who believe in me and make me feel good and make me go about the job right, you know? And I mean, which we'll come on to, to the way Barty approaches things like that a little later because I've I've been listening to an interview with her mindset coach and although she Pliskova wasn't putting it down to something specific or a specific person like that you could tell how she'd learned how herself how to do, deal with these things and this week must give her belief i mean she was pretty much at one of her lowest ebbs certainly in the last few years coming into this tournament I mean, we do pre-tournament predictions with some of our Kickstarter backers. I looked today, 60 people in this competition. Nobody had Pliskova even in the quarterfinals. Not even Pam Shriver. Not even Pam Shriver. On, she Pam. had Cam Norrie in the quarterfinals <laughs> and not Carolina Pliskova. Yeah. That, I mean, I think now we're at this weekend, you can think, oh, Carolina Pliskova, former world number one, won titles on grass, been in a Grand Slam final. It's... It yeah, feels but, reasonably right that she's in the Grand Slam But that's when you shouldn't final. pick her. When you feel like you should pick I her, that's when so. you shouldn't pick her. Yeah, but I just think for her, she must take so much from this. She must know that she can be at this low ebb and still come back from it. And and actually, that was that was you know this was in many ways a match of great contrast. You know, stylistically, what you said there, David, about Karolina Pliskova not wanting to be compared to other players. Barty is someone who has, who has embraced the whole Yvonne Goulogon connection and, and, and talked that up. But one similarity was that they both came into this event with with some doubt over them. Pliskova's we've outlined and some extraordinary quotes from Barty in her post-match interview, uh, post-match press conference saying that her team really didn't, div- didn't divulge to her at the time quite how potentially serious the injury she picked up at the French Open was, you know. And she said that she's just spoken to her team and they said, look, we were told that was two months, that injury, to come back from. And it's, you know, it's it's kind she, of a it's kind of a miracle that you're here and she did amazing, you know, work and rehab with her team and Did you know, she th- go to Taylor Fritz's medical team? <laughs> 
yeah, we need to have a word with these people. <laughs> yeah, what is going on? Um, but yeah, I just think, you know, 15 days ago, we were... That was the reason I didn't pick Ash Barty for the title. Oh, here we go. I just wasn't sure how how fit she was. Oh, the reason rem- I didn't is because I'm crap at predictions and we're never doing them again. <laughs> but... Just remembered I have. <laughs> no, no, you haven't, David. Didn't I? You no, you had Petra Kvitova. You had Petra Kvitova who lost on day one. Who did I have? Oh. When did I have Barty losing then? I had a losing in the semis, but... Oh, I, th- I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I took us down this avenue. Aren't we all yeah, pleased? That's, yes, that's right, isn't it? I got it wrong on the first day of the tournament. Yes, great. Yeah. <sighs> anyway. And it was the French Open I had a win in. It's kind of similar, except she didn't win that one. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> no, she didn't. Should we talk about her speech? And and come just before you do that, can you talk about the moment oh. that she won it? Well, that she doesn't remember. No, she didn't remember she the was, match point. T- talk me through match point. Well, I don't remember it. <laughs> <laughs> but then Amazing. she fell to her knees, didn't she? And yeah. just like you say, Matt, it's we've seen it a lot with Nadal when he falls flat on his back. We've seen it with Federer just suddenly s- sobbing. You know, it, it is just that release, that moment mm. of. All that pent up, that clench, unclenches, and uh, I can't imagine what it must be like. The closest, that, probably in my life, that I've had it is when my son was born and my daughter was born, or something like that. When you know you, you're just so scared of it going wrong or something, and then it's all right. But crikey, I can't imagine. Um, and yeah, the speech, the speeches were both brilliant, actually. Mm. Yeah, they were. They were. They both were so desperate to hold it together, weren't they? And they both basically did, but for one, one moment each. Caroline Pliskova had to step away from the mic to to compose herself. It was a very raw moment, and Ash Barty was completely composed until she was asked about Yvonne Gulagong and the fiftieth anniversary, and she just managed to say through tears and a lump in her throat. I hope Yvonne would be proud. Oh. I mean, I don't want to put words in Yvonne Gulagong's mouth, but I think she's proud, Ash. <laughs> I think so. I think that's mission accomplished. Um, and yeah, just just the fact that she em- embraced that pressure, her ultimate hero, she embraced... The pressure of trying to emulate her. She voiced all of it. Yeah. She had a before the tournament starts. She designs an outfit to pay tribute to her hero on the fiftieth anniversary of her title win. It 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 remind it, it's obviously a completely different sort of genre of of embracing pressure, but it it made me think of Naomi Osaka and the Seven Masks. Her saying, mm-hmm. "I've got seven masks." I'm here to wear all seven of them and for you to see all seven of them. It's it's a similar kind of embracing embracing additional pressure and trying to do something more than just win a title. Mm. And, you know, Yvonne Gulagong and making strides for Indigenous Australians is, is something incredibly important to, to Ash Barty, just as Black Lives Matter and... Um, death at the hand of hands of law enforcement is su- something that 
means a lot to Naomi Osaka and yeah it those the, the sort of the place that those two acts come from I think is a similar a similar place that only pretty great special people can probably relate to. Uh, I would say Ash Barty as well is uh, uh, her announcing ahead of time that she that it is her dream to win Wimbledon and to, to not be afraid to put that out there it's for everybody to know that is a clear departure from where I think where she used to be. I, I, I even think back less than two years ago I remember you telling me a number of times you find Ash Barty a really hard interview mm. and she's not a hard interview. I mean, you haven't interviewed her for quite a while because we haven't been at tournaments, but I no, don't think, I think she I would be now. I remember saying that after the uh, pre-final interview I did with her at the French Open. Yeah. Um, and like, I, I never stopped liking her or being a big fan of hers, but didn't get anything out of her. It was all completely pleasant totally pleasant polite professional i came out of it full of respect for her but i i didn't draw her on anything it was there was a hard wall up imagine it's like trying to play her you know mm. you, you're not going to get any mistakes you're not going to get any unforced errors because she's careful and she's very proficient uh, at what she's doing well that has changed whole wholly that has changed and i, I mean I, I listened to, to af, actually after the final on the way home. I listened to half an hour of a fifty-minute podcast, which uh, which had been put on to me by a few, actually a few of our listeners got in touch and said, you know, you should listen to this interview with Ben Crow, her mindset coach, and he'd worked with for about thirty years with various sports athletes and, and various teams in Australia, and she apparently started working with him. F- following the 2018 Wimbledon loss to Daria Kasatkina, that one that I often refer to because I covered it for Five Live and she kind of got beaten at her own game. And she and that was third round. That Was that the day that you decided I'm picking Kasatkina every match, every week from now on in? Yes. Um, <laughs> and uh, Barty struggled to stomach that loss and the same actually happened the next year when she lost to Alison Risk but that was very much a, a work in progress of course she'd won the French Open but she'd been with this guy and for, for she's been with him for what three years and and this podcast it's really really worth a listen it's um it's called In Conversation With and it's it's from ABC Radio in, in Australia and uh, yeah, so one of the listeners that we have, Mark Sparky Jones, who's apparently a fitness trainer, um, he, he put us onto it. And the the kind of things that Ben Crow is talking about is that he he wants her to to go back to her earliest happiest memories, not worry about the outcome of anything she's doing, um, just just strip things right back to to the absolute basics of of the moment and why she started playing in the first place. And he says sort of reclaim her childhood self in the joy of, of everything that in, in just the doing rather than the outcome. And she has managed to instill that. I think in the way she talks in interviews. Now she talks with such enjoyment about, I mean, other players would call it the process, but she breaks it down into actually loving the sport. And he actually drew the the parallel 
with Roger Federer. He said Federer has said himself he focuses on humility, gratitude and humour in order to get through what for some players is quite hard tour life. And yet Federer never seems to find it hard in that way. And and that's the, the vibe that I've had from Barty the last few months. Every time I've heard us talk, that she's enjoying this. This long road trip with Craig Tizer and, and, and the, the people she has around her. I mean, it doesn't come across as a chore. And I'm sure there are all sorts of external pressures. But she is just refusing to get distracted and I just found it really interesting the way he he has helped her learn a few techniques to just to just break that down and and reduce it to the sheer enjoyment of doing what she likes doing does does Ben Crow only work with sports people or is he available well (laughs) for podcasters (laughs) (laughs) I highly recommend listening to this interview because I definitely I definitely listened to it and thought God, that makes so much sense, you know. Um, you know, and it it just yeah. And and I seem to remember some quotes from Barty would have been you know a long time ago now when she took her break, saying that you know it it, it was burnout really was the reason for her break, and, and she wasn't enjoying it. And and she, and she used to talk about tennis as a game and something she did but didn't define her and if it sounds like what you're saying david is, is she's got that that feeling back yeah well and, and what did she say about pliskova and she said i like to test myself against these people mm. it's the enjoyment of the sport and that it's really not that big a deal if she doesn't win she has to be okay with that in her mind i think and then she can actually do it because her game is so well honed so finely tuned so full of options that as long as she just enjoys playing that game the rest of it will sort of take care of itself and if it doesn't it's all right she still likes herself she still loves her family and her friends and her team and they all love her and it's it's such a positive healthy way mm, of very going about it mm, yeah it's a hannah uh hannah said something when uh, when Ash Barty won, um, that really stuck with me. She said, "I wanted this so much for her." This is Hannah that that does our Twitter exceptionally well. She said, "I wanted this so much for her. If you don't win Wimbledon, they don't know you in this country. I wanted this country to know Ash." And it's so true, isn't it? I mm. mean, well, I, t- I told you, my daughter absolutely adores her. My daughter's eleven oh. years old, and and she just. She thinks she's the best. I, I mean, love she, that. She, she loves Tech as well. There's there's a few that she really really likes, and Ash Barty, yeah. And I think that there must be so many, so many people generally, but so many young girls, young women who who were inspired by her. That's so mm-hmm. great to hear. What a role model! And mm-hmm. and to have her, like you say though, like Hannah was saying, to ha- to have that on national TV here in the UK during Wimbledon. That is when you make an impression, mm. and and I look, I think we think of the Grand Slams on an equal footing because we're in tennis. But I do think Wimbledon has a greater cut through in in sport than Roland Garros probably does. St- you know, still look at Pat Cash, absolutely one Wimbledon time. Yeah, and I think 
just you know in 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 tennis terms that french open that ash barty won it it was such a chaotic french open with the scheduling and the weather and the final against Vondrosheva was you know, it was, it was a little bit of a non-event because Vondrosheva had never played on Philippe Chatrier before because of the aforementioned scheduling. And I feel like she really got the stage and the scene this whole tournament. You know, she played the reigning French Open champion in round four. She played Angelique Kerber, a former Wimbledon champion in the semi-finals. She had a tough final. This was a This was a tough road to a Grand Slam. And, you know, there were some... There were some Ashbarty doubters at at the start of the year, you know, talk of talk of an undeserving number one because she hadn't been on the tour and you know she, she was she was benefiting from the rankings. But my goodness, Ashbarty has proved all of those doubters wrong this year. I mean, she had done prior to this Wimbledon; she'd had a fantastic season with three titles. But you know, becoming a multiple Grand Slam champion, winning. Wimbledon, which she had always set her sights on, this 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 elevates Ash Barty. This mm. victory, I think, both within tennis and as as Hannah's said there, to the to just a greater just the greater public consciousness. I think mm. will be more aware of Ash Barty, the tennis player and the person as well as a result of this. I am absolutely guilty of what you just said, by the way. I referred to Naomi Osaka during Miami as the de facto number one. You know, I referred to Ash Barty as as world number one only due to the the COVID quirk in, well, in the rankings. I don't, I, th- I don't think that's outrageous, really. The, Naomi Osaka had won two successive Grand Slam titles, or two that she'd played. Yeah, but and I, I, th- but I, I, I think, think she I, might have been number one had the rankings been yeah. normal. I think at, but at I think point, I said it too flippantly categorically right i think is this sort of well of course naomi osaka is the de facto number one and you know yeah i don't know i i wouldn't hindsight is a wonderful thing <laughs> that let's conclude that the, the, given that this comes what two-thirds through this incredibly long road trip for barty i think it makes it all the more impressive mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's something else and, that she's and, doing and look the last time she won a grand slam the rest of the season was absolutely fine. It was decent, but relative to expectation as a result of winning the French Open, it was it was a little disappointing. The Alison Risk loss at Wimbledon and the Chong Wong loss at the US Open. Um, but this feels different because of this road trip she's on. And look, I'm not saying she's necessarily going to go and win the Olympics and the US Open, but I might be saying she's going to win the Olympics in the US Open well, she's, <laughs> or uh, one of them. I, I think her mindset and her, 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 I mean, okay, you can't legislate for injury, but she doesn't look tired. She doesn't, she looks fresh and she looks like she's still enjoying it. And if, if they can keep that up. And that's she, a bit of a superpower in, she's in tennis at the moment. She's a threat anywhere because she can play on anything mm. and, I mean, she can be beaten, but the the beauty of the the women's game is there are so many exciting players who can derail you. But I don't think there's anybody any better than she is. I think that there are people with different powers. Mm. Um, but but 
I I look f- I love the way she enjoys the challenges of all of them. Yeah, I think among her many strengths, her adaptability is one of her greatest. And to me, and I think the the stats and the titles she won, she's won bear this out. She is the player coming through, and you know she she's very much here now. But I still sort of think of her as one of these young WTA Avengers as as we've called them she's the one who is most comfortable on all the surfaces I mean I think the highs Naomi Osaka has hit on the hard courts are a level that Ash Barty hasn't quite reached on the hard courts yet but I think she probably could and then you've got you know you've got Halep and Muguruza now who have done the same as as Barty and won Wimbledon and the French Open and are still looking for slam titles on hard courts. You've got Sviantec, who seems a complete natural on the clay. You've got Andrescu, who can play well on the hard courts. There's such a fantastic variety of players now, but Barty is the one who stands out as someone who can flourish on all of all of the surfaces, indoors, outdoors, clay, grass, whatever. But it feels like she's already there. It doesn't feel totally. like there's a work in progress towards it. She's there. Yeah. Can the US Open start next week, please? Because <laughs> I've got a... That would be the Olympics. A really sad... I, I'm, I've booked myself in to suffer, suffer a terrible depression next week. And uh, it'd be great if if the US Open could just start then and yeah. be brilliant. You and Billie Jean both. <laughs> Not King, canine. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello Tennis Podcast listeners, David here. Now you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Wow. Ash Barty, Wimbledon champion. We've uh, we've had a few other Wimbledon champions crowned today. In the women's doubles, we have had Sue Weishay and Elisa Mertens, the third seeds, beat Veronica Kudamatova and Elena Vesnina 9-7 in the third set to win the Wimbledon doubles title for the first time as a team. Shea's won it before... Um, with Barbara Stritzova, I think. Yes, and with um, Peng Shui as well. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes, but a first one for Elisa Mertens. Yeah. And uh, Kudmatova and Vesnina had two match points in the second set and also served for it in the third set. I mean, the crowd were gripped by it, weren't they? So was was Matt Roberts. (laughs) (laughs) It, it It was a stunning match. It was one of those where I didn't get into it until kind of midway through the second set because I was going to the Barty and Pliskova press conferences. and But then suddenly it just got amazing. And honestly, the match point save, I've been desperately trying to find a replay of it somewhere. The match point save that Shea and Mertens came up with in the second set to save the second of the match points was one of the best match point saves I can remember certainly championship points I mean it's a really long rally they were switching sides you know they sort of all ended up on the same side of the court at one stage there was a dead neck court that that Shea got to (laughs) it was just amazing and yeah this match just had everything you could wish for and you know they're a relative well they're, they're a very new team Shea and Mertens they've only they've only teamed up in the last couple of months um they actually lost seven match points themselves at, at the French Open when they lost to Sviontek and Matic Sands. And now they've won their first Grand Slam title together. Mertens is second of the year because she also won the Australian Open with Sabalenka. She's back to doubles world number one on Monday. And she was outstanding. I really, really noticed what a great, smart doubles player she is. The way she... L- she constantly lobs the player at the net. <laughs> she must, must just be infuriating to be that player against Elise Mertens. She's got great court sense and combine that with Shea and her touch and, and they're a really, really strong pairing. Yeah, it was it, it was a great, great match. There was uh, a lovely photo po- posted at the start of today of Dylan Alcott uh, and Ash Barty because, of course, Dylan Alcott was going... Uh, for glory today for Australia as well. And he won the quad wheelchair singles title for the second time. He beat Sam Schroeder 6-2-6-2 in the final. And Dylan Alcott is on for the Golden Slam. I've heard that somewhere before. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if two players did the Golden Slam that, this year. That would be quite cool. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, that would be quite something. So I'm going to follow uh, Dylan Alcott's progress very closely indeed. We also had the ladies' wheelchair and the men's wheelchair, the women's wheelchair and the men's wheelchair doubles final today in the women's. Jordan Wiley and Yui Kamiji won their fifth title together. And, of course, there was a wonderful scene on the court afterwards where Jordan Wiley was joined by her son, Jackson, with whom she had been, I think, 11 weeks pregnant uh, 
when they won the title together back in 2017. Um, so a lovely, lovely moment for them. And just a few hours before that, Gordon Reed and Alfie Hewitt won the uh, men's wheelchair doubles title for the fourth time together. Did I read that was their seventh in a row of uh, of Grand Slam doubles titles? Yeah, I heard yeah. that today, yeah. Amazing. Extraordinary. Yeah. Some of the the streaks and the records and so on in in wheelchair tennis are just just extraordinary. Um yeah, and the, and we we watched bits and bobs of that or we caught bits and bobs of that and good crowds for those matches, really really good crowds. And David, you were on court one for a bit today and Oh, saw an incredible crowd for a junior semi-final. Oh, it was amazing. It was the boys' semi-finals, and the crowd were treating them like they were household names who were just tearing it up. And, I mean, this was a, <laughs> a capacity crowd on court one, so you're talking 12,000 people whilst the women's singles final is going on, and they could have been outside watching that on Henman Hill, but they weren't. They were they were loving every minute of this, and these two lads, they were fighting it out, and, I mean, I'd never heard of either of them before, and then at the end there was some aggro. Oh, it was brilliant fun. Tell us about the aggro. Yeah, well, the, 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 the chap who lost gave a no-look handshake. Um, he'd already looked away while he was on his way to the chair, but kept his hand there. That's really good aggro. Yeah. A no-look mm. handshake. That's, that's solid aggro. And then when, yeah. when the winner came, then left the, uh, the chair, having put his racket away, he came out and did a sort of double fist pump sort of um, lawnmower type fist pump arrangement and then while he, while he was walking back to his chair the other guy was coming past the other way and refused to sort of let him go and the winner had to do a, almost like a little dance move to get out the way uh, as they just sort of bumped shoulders mm, um, we like this so there's there's plenty of high quality aggro there and, and actually the uh, the chap who who won the match was samir Banerjee from the united states he's from new jersey 17 years of age I loved his intent to come forward. He wasn't serving a volume, but every time he got a forehand, anyway, even if it was just inside the baseline on his own side, he was coming in after it and a really exciting player. He will play Victor Lilov, also of America, in the boys' final tomorrow. We saw a bit, bit of Victor Lilov in uh, semi-final action against Jack Pennington-Jones of... Uh, of Great Britain yesterday. He had to play two matches in one day, I think, because they were so backed up because of the rain uh, on the outside, uncovered court. So an All-American boys final tomorrow. The girls singles final will be the German, born in August 2003. So that would make her 17, nearly 18. Yes. Uh, She is called Natasha Mariana Schunk. She's a lefty. Uh, she will be taking on Anna Mintegi del Olmo, who is also 17. And a glasses wearer. I was just going to say, Matt. Yes. Really excellent glasses wearer. <laughs> yeah. You, you too. Great stuff. Eyes lighting up. Look. Oh, and that is a good pair. Yeah. She's borrowed mats. Look at that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. It, I mean. Very similar. No, Matt's around. Anyway, 
excellent glasses wearer check her out in uh the girls singles final tomorrow there's also the ladies wheelchair singles final uh, which is american goth gothazzo montagna montagna of south africa goth gothazzo montagna is what i think it is um I hope so anyway. Please let me know if I've got that horribly, horribly wrong. She is taking on, now then, I'm going to make up for things here because I feel like the only non-Dutch tennis person in the world that can say Dida de Goot. <laughs> Nailed it. I shouted at the TV several times today when people said Dida de Groot. You Philistines, Dida de Goot. <laughs> All right, okay. Uh, yeah, so she'll be in the ladies, uh, the women's wheelchair singles final tomorrow. The men's wheelchair singles final, final is Joachim Gerard of Belgium up against Gordon Reed of Great Britain. And there's another match tomorrow. In fact, there's two other matches. There's a mixed doubles final, Neil Skupski and Desiree Kravchik against Joe Salisbury, Harriet Dart, a three-quarters British mixed doubles which, final. Which is the first time that's happened in over 70 years, apparently. Wow. Yeah, so expect a great crowd to stick on for that after the men's singles final between Novak Djokovic and Matteo Berrettini. We've all done our predictions. Tell the people what we've gone for. For strategic reasons, I've gone for Novak Djokovic in five. What do you actually think will happen? Four. I've gone for Novak Djokovic in four because I just need some points. I've gone for Novak Djokovic in four because I think that's what will actually happen. And uh, I, I try to David play David described this. that as taking the high road yes. earlier. <laughs> Correct. Mm. Yeah. So, okay. That's how I play. Well, that's from two o'clock tomorrow on Centre Court, the last day of Wimbledon 2021. And, and it's a potentially monumental day. You know, if if, if I mean, England are going to win the Euros, so it is a monumental day. It's just, a potentially extra monumental just day. Just imagine, though, after all these years of us talking about how funny it would be if Djokovic, Nadal and Federer all ended up with 20, and tomorrow they are most likely, this time tomorrow, going to have 20 Grand Slam singles titles each. <laughs> that is amazing. It's imagine almost sort of too big for us. To, it, it's like... It's like at the French Open when we realised we weren't talking about the fact that Nadal could potentially reach 21, you know, the clubhouse and be the clubhouse leader. It's almost sort of too monumental and ridiculous and, and now Nadal poetic may, to Nadal to really... may never feel, feel what it's like to be the clubhouse leader. These are discussions to have tomorrow, David. <laughs> okay. Who knows what time that podcast will be recorded deep in the midst of uh, football celebrations. I I really hope these aren't comments that age terribly badly. Well, quick final in the singles and we record pre-football. Medium length final. (laughs) Who knows? Long final, post-football. You're going to have to wait. Yeah. Yeah, it's very much a TBC tomorrow, but you will get one last tennis podcast from Wimbledon 2021. And no matter what state of jubilation we're in, we promise we promise to make it a good one. Uh, Zeus, I promise 
to at least try and get some points for us tomorrow. David has taken the high road with Rogue. Make of that what you will. Matt has gone strategic for Scousel Mousel. Uh, Billie Jean, I think she's alive, but she hasn't made a noise in a long time. She's she's pooped from all the cuddles. Um <laughs> Yeah, she's sponsored by Billie Jean King. Chris Albert Lee is our executive producer. Mocker is our Wimbledon mascot. Hello to Mocker and his lovely owner, Dawn. Matt, who are our penultimate Wimbledon shout-outs for? We have Karen Rice. Like Declan Rice. Like Declan Rice. Oh, so perfect. Please let the next two names also be the same as England players. Oh, and by the way, it's match point in the men's doubles. Look at that. Yes. The reason I haven't mentioned the men's doubles final is because it's 10.17pm and it's still on. <laughs> uh, which might not be the case in about four seconds time. A lob has been lofted up. Let's not do live commentary on a match. Well, this. We've, we've got David Law. <laughs> Off you go, David. I think it might be illegal for me to do it on the podcast. We, oh, haven't, right. got, we haven't got the rights. <laughs> it's over. It's over. It's over. Nikola Mektic, Matej Pavic, the world number ones and top seeds have done it david's off the hook <laughs> they're wimbledon champions everyone's a winner matt who are our last two shout outs for and i should just say that is that's been coming hasn't it a grand oh, yeah. slam title for these two they've won pretty Absolutely. much everything they've played this year that's it's a big deal for them to get there first lovely cuddles with Zabias and granoyas yeah. and of course mektic pavic had covid didn't they at the mm. french mm-hmm. yeah so well done yeah to it's them. massive massive for them and of course They'll be going to the Olympics and aiming for a favourites for for the men's men's doubles gold. Matt, back to shout outs. Back to shout outs. People <laughs> are on the edge of their seats. We have Joseph Barretto, whose name you you will I'm remember. I'm worried that that's an Italian name. And no, no, okay. No. He was guest editor for our. Jim Courier focus oh. on Roland Garros relived show. He, he and he really did us proud. Splendid job. Yes, well done, Joseph, and thanks for your support. Sorry for speculating you might be Italian, and sorry to all Italian listeners. Generally, big fan of Italians. Tomorrow, not a big fan of Italians. Sorry, Matteo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> y- y- yeah. And the third shout-out is for Lars Graf. Oh, hey. hello. Who was in touch today? The <laughs> famous umpire from yesteryear. And <laughs> from yesteryear. And who now... Retired like a few years ago. Yeah, and now... <laughs> and now he's the tournament director of the China Open in Beijing. But he was in touch with us today, wasn't he, Matt, to remind us of him being on one of the lines during the famous McEnroe rant... When uh, when I think it was that the one where he said the question jerk. Yes. Answer the question. Yes, the 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 one that prompts one of David's <laughs> best impersonations. The question jerk. Yeah. Sorry, Catherine. I've ro- woken up your neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, not Billy Jean. Somehow, <laughs> no. I I do feel like I need to wrap up this podcast and check that she's conscious. So join <laughs> us for one more Wimbledon Daily Tennis Podcast tomorrow. Subscribe to the newsletter. All of that jazz. One last day of uh, well, I mean Instagram. Instagram will continue, but you know the golden content might not be 
might not be quite so free-flowing as it has been this fortnight. Are you going to give up after this fortnight? No. Oh, good. No, I love it too much. Right then, we'll speak to you tomorrow. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com.